surroundings. Avoid costly collisions. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. In three, two, one. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. And I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on today's voyage, we're exploring the book Aragon by Chris... How do you spell his last, say his last name? Um, pa- Palatini? Very good. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> what you said sounds great. I, Palatini. It, it's very Italian. It or, is. Or Greek. I can't quite yeah, tell. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, but there might be dragons. Arr! Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, uh, but, uh, and this is... The first book of the Inheritance Cycle, which is what he called this series of books. And how many books are in the Inheritance Cycle? Because I didn't do my homework and actually check it out. Four. There's four, all right? It was supposed to be three, because it was originally called the like Something Something Trilogy, and then he changed it to the Inheritance Cycle because it expanded to four. Yeah. Well, you know, it could have pulled a Douglas Adams, hey, this is a trilogy in four parts. <laughs> yeah. Story that never ends. <laughs> uh, so, just for those who uh, need a little freshening up, this is the story of Aragon, a, a young um, peasant boy who discovers uh, a mysterious egg that appears while he's hunting, um, a rock-like egg, and over time, the egg eventually hatches into a dragon which bonds with him and he goes um he winds up uh through a series of events fleeing his town with a uh with a mentor and um learning how to use magic and ride his dragon as he gets bigger and uh just kind of trying to get him trained up to be uh what they call a rider which there used to be a um policing force of people that rode dragons and they're all extinct now and the big bad guy had killed them all off and is ruling the world so he's trying to uh learn how to be awesome in in secret i don't know there's probably there's more to it but it's you got to get really into detail i think to to uh go further so So i'm still lost on can you say egg for me again egg yeah you just pronounce it egg 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 and there's like an A in it or something. That's egg. awesome. I'm still egg. back there. You're still back I, in the egg. I, I, I still want to. I still want to just like break an omelet. Let's go. It's it's my. I lived in uh, Philly for a couple of years, and some some of the stuff took me a long time to to to, to get water. Oh, right, because it water, water, water. Hey, you know, I bet eggs kind of remnant of that. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know you lived in Philly. Yeah, for a couple of years when I was in. How uh, did they say uh, egg in Nebraska? That's what I want to know. Egg. 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 Oh, very good. That's pretty egg. straightforward. Yeah. So this yeah. is the egg podcast. We're talking about eggs. <laughs> eggs. 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 Egg, blue, egg. blue eggs. Blue eggs. Blue, blue eggs. eggs. It's Big Easter eggs. time. <laughs> Big eggs that don't really seem like eggs. Yeah. So, um... Well, that was a super brief summary. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, very nice. So, yeah. so, this was... When you, when you... I mean, obviously, you've been passionate about it. Jim, this was your first time reading it, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and for me, I might have read it, but it was years ago. And I wasn't sure as I was reading it if I was remembering the movie, because I had seen the movie, uh, or the book. But it's been so long, it was like a fresh story for me. It felt that way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, let's start with you, since you're the, uh, you're the Aragon virgin here. Uh, tell me okay. about, um, what, were, what were your thoughts? How did you, what did you think, uh, initial impressions of, of Aragon? We'll rate it later on. But. Okay. Uh, I was, I was quite a bit apprehensive at first about reading it. Cause I'm not, I'm not into fantasy and I don't really understand fantasy all that much. And then when I saw it was over 500 pages, I was even more apprehensive. Uh, when, when I started reading it. Well, before I started reading it, I talked to some of my students at school that had read it. And they said, it's incredible. You'll love it. And it, that was a general consensus through all of them. Um, and I thought, well, okay. So I picked it up and started reading it and immediately got into it. So I just, uh, I was just 
really fascinated all the way through. I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't feel intimidated at all by the language. Uh, I understood the terminology. So, yeah, my impressions were good. Good, and, and I think that says something coming from someone that it really is a, uh, a lover of all things science fiction, but not necessarily into the fantasy world, to have a story that can capture you and keep your attention uh, and engage you, especially with that apprehension. Uh, that says something. Well, yeah. Um, one thing that someone told me when I, I mentioned it on Facebook somewhere, I was starting to read it, and someone chimed in, and I wish they hadn't, because I'd like to pick up on this by myself, but uh, they told me it was going to be a lot like Star Wars. So, okay, I'm sitting here reading this book, and I'm trying to find all these Star Wars parallels. <laughs> and which, which there are several. And, um, you know, I, I think that may have even open the door a little farther for me to enjoy it well you know and so you know you say you wish they hadn't but in one way that may have enhanced your enjoyment of the book having that sort of uh scavenger hunt for you as you went through it looking for those connections yeah well that only lasted for a while uh one you know after about the first third of the book i said okay i get it and then i was just reading the book uh, to enjoy it. Right, right. It gets really bad when the Death Star blows up, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> the Blue Death Egg, you mean? Yeah, the Blue Death Egg just blows up and obliterates everything. Uh, so you came from the other end. Like, this is this is like, if you were to ask for a top 10 books, this might make your top 10 list. Um, man, I don't know if I'd go that far. I will but it's, say, it's I was, a good, I mean, you like this book. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to discuss discuss this book because one I don't know anyone else who's read it who finished the series uh, or talks like talks about books like we talk about books okay so there's there's that aspect of it and and it had been a long time I'd been wanting to read it so I had forgotten a lot um, so perfect timing um, but in this in my second reading of it man I could not put this book down and I was just so sucked into it until until towards the end of the book and then i and then i think when the final battle happened and i saw how much there was left compared to how much i knew was going to happen i became kind of i don't know if apathetic is the right word but i just i was just kind of like well i know it's not going to get anywhere at this point <laughs> you know what i mean so i kind of i kind of wasn't as drawn into it as i had been the rest of the story but it was still quite good um but now i say i think i would definitely put it high up there i remember the first time i read it i had a lot of problems with the writing style and stuff i mean he was he was like 15 yeah when he wrote this book yeah. i wish all, I wish all my 15 year olds could write this well right i know <laughs> and I, I don't know because i read uh, i have a, a printed copy but this time i read the my, uh read it on my kindle okay and i was kind of wondering as i was reading it i was wondering if the Kindle version had been updated and kind of edited and more. I didn't check, but right. I was kind of I was like, I'm not remembering as much uh, literary issues as I had before. Uh, so that was the thought that I was yeah. having along the way. But I, I really, really enjoyed this book, and uh, I will probably continue on. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, um, reading it, I, I too enjoyed the book. And for me, it took about halfway. Once I got about halfway, I was I was sucked in. Up till then, I was running with a little bit of cynicism. And some of that had to do with the way he was telling the story. <laughs> like him stopping to kind of explain stuff. And I realized that Brahm, for example, is explaining stuff to Aragon throughout the story. And it's stuff that Aragon needs to do, but it's also stuff for us, the listeners. And there were times when they're traveling after they leave the Vale, right, that, that it got a bit ponderous for me. Um, but I think after Brom dies, the story just just pick begins to pick up the pace for me, mm. and uh, and so for me, I really enjoyed the book. I, I was I was sad when it ended, mm -hmm. and so that's always a good sign. I realized I could pick up pick up book two, three, and four um, if I ever have time. I might. So I 
one of the things I have to really give him, and I noticed it, I think I think maybe the first time I read it, I was kind of in a similar position with you where I thought, why is he telling us all this exposition? Uh, this Chris, Chris, whatever his last name is, is really good at world building. Right. And the, I think it's also his biggest problem. He's so good at it that when you're reading it, you don't realize how important the things he's saying are until you're further along. And I'm going to use the example of the second book, which I found very long, very hard to push through, um, in reading it. And the whole time, just like, this is like, I, I can't, I can't believe the rest of the series is like this. I don't know if I can, like, this is just so boring, but the third and fourth book rely so heavily on all the stuff that he sets up in that second book. And even the first book that it's just like, it makes you appreciate learning all the things that you did because then later on, you don't have to sit and have it doled out to you slowly. You've got it all, all laid out. So anyway, and just a note, Jim, my understanding is you have the correct pronunciation of his last name. Is that correct? Uh, I believe it's Paolini. 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 Ah, we. Paolini. Oh, and that's, yeah, Paolini. Only be- that's only because I didn't really know how to pronounce it correctly myself. And I just happened to have a, uh, a foreign exchange student from Italy in my choir now. So. Oh. Oh, they helped you. So, Paolini. There you go. There you go. Hey, so, Christopher, if you are listening, understand we did not mean to put your name earlier on. No, got it. Nope. Well, uh, so, I think we have our initial reviews. Let's move in. Let's talk about some characters. Jim, I believe that's you. Yeah, I I have quite a list of characters here. And, um, of course, we, I guess we could start with the main character, Aragon, who I found out. Is one letter, the name is one letter away from Dragon. Ooh. Yeah, really? Yep. It's only yeah. one letter down in the alphabet, too. Yep. Yep. That's what it is. Huh. It's important that to note that D does come before E in the alphabet. <laughs> and dragons are these creatures that have existed long before humanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, significant. And yeah. I, I before E after C and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, so Aragon's character, uh, I think he starts off really, I mean, he's supposed to be really weak, but I, I feel even as a, as a, the hero, someone, someone we're rooting for, he really does kind of grow on you. Well, he, 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 Aragon, you know, this is a story... You mentioned the Star Wars references, Jim, and I'm going to pull on something that Star Wars built upon. I mean, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, the journey of the mythic hero, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we're all, we're, most of us are familiar with that. And, and, you know, so this is really, this is the journey of Aragon. It's this heroic journey. And it follows the story of Luke Skywalker, the, you know, Luke Skywalker's nothing when we meet him. Right. Until... We realize that somehow he's somehow attuned to the force and he gets this wide sage that is taken from him and yet he has to kind of rely on. And so it's a, a very similar story in, in that regard. That being said, this is not just a retelling of Star Wars. Uh, and no. Aragon's story is not just Luke Skywalker's story, even though it parallels like many of the tales and like Sir Lancelot and many of the other mythic tales that we have in society do. And um, and Aragon starts out weak. You're right, mm-hmm. um, and he he he's not afraid to thieve when he needs to, uh, but he's also a bit. He's also not afraid to travel areas that other people are kind of superstitious about. Yeah, like the, the spine. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. So the spine, right? Which of course yeah. is where he encounters uh, the dragon egg. Yeah, right. But. So yeah, and it's funny because you're gonna parallel Star Wars even more. You know, Ben is very much Brom. It's very true. Yeah, but but anyways, let's talk about Aragon. One of the questions that I had, and I don't think that it's ever answered satisfactorily in this book, is that of Aragon's parentage. Right. Where, where stuff's hinted at, and people suggest they know things, but I'm not sure that he's gotten a full story of that. Well, he hasn't. And does that come into the later books? It too? does. I mean, you want me to talk about it? Well, I guess uh, 
Jim, are you going to read the following books? Um. Uh, I wasn't planning on it soon. I may someday, but there you go. So, I, could, so I, could, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, his mom, him and Murtaugh are siblings. Whoa. And that was a, <laughs> that, it, change, that changes things. That he, means that his father is. Well, no, I think his father is Brom. I'm pretty sure his father's Brom. Whoa. And that, that she. Was if I could be I could be totally wrong about this. Either one, she was like a a, a spy put in into like what's his face's camp, and she tried to get away when she had Aragon, and then her second child was Murtar or, or no Murtar's older, so he was he was the first and second because even Murtar mentions so Galvatorix is the father of Murtar, so they're like no, yeah. the father is the the Forsworn. So who's that? Gal- Galbertorx is the big dad. Okay. And the Forsworn, or whatever his name was, was like Durza. Was that Durza? No, no that was. He's not in the book. He's 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 mentioned. He, he was the first rider that Galbertorx turned. Okay, got it. He was like the the next level, and he's Brom killed him, and had a sword, yeah. gave it to Aragon. So so there's a sense that this guy is really an orphan. Right, right, very much like Luke Skywalker. Because I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna yeah. keep drawing it back to see Jim. Now that you said that this is totally Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the first book, Murtaugh says a story about how his mother disappeared for a while at one point, and I'm pretty sure that coincides with Aragon's birth. Oh, and because she didn't want to put another child through what Murtaugh was going through, right. she ran away. Oh, very good. Oh. So. Well, so what? Uh, <laughs> just also, what, what do you think of Aragon Beyond? We're kind of in the opening here. Yeah, I. One of the things I I find fascinating about this character, and this again, this is leaning on things to come a little bit, is is how he learns stuff. I mean, there's very much a lot of like people won't tell him, or uh, you know, he's kind of got to guess on his own. But there's so many fascinating things of like the small mistakes that he make become life become life lessons like for right. for instance you mean you know overexerting yourself with the magic um a big one is that little is that little girl that he blessed he and Sophia right. blessed she turns out that turns out to be a big like horrible mistake that comes back to haunt them um just little tiny things like that or or asking for his his um asking Angela to give him his prophecy like and how that changes the way he views everything I mean every girl that's like <coughs> of course there's Arya who's who he he adores but like any girl that seems to be from royalty like he's like is this the girl that I'm supposed to wind up with that kind of stuff so whereas if he wouldn't have the prophecy he would yeah. be a little bit more chill about it yeah right? yeah anyway. exactly uh, Jim your thoughts on Aragon as a character um, I really enjoyed the under, under conscious, I guess I would call it the, the communication between him and Sephira, uh, and how they, how they became a single unit. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that was just really neat. I also enjoyed, um, Brom, the way he mentored him. It was almost more of a Socratic method of teaching than it was just disseminating information because he wouldn't give Aragon the whole story and Aragon had to discover a lot on his own, mm-hmm. which probably helped him learn his lessons way better. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean... Help, helped, him st- helped him stick with him a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brahm warned him about using, how to use magic um, you know, and gave him a very stern warning, and Aragon went ahead and almost killed himself. Right, mm-hmm. right. So yeah, I, I I really enjoyed him as a character. And you almost have to talk about the two characters together, because, like you said, they become they become one unit, and, mm-hmm. and the way that they learn everything kind of together. But Safira has this like old soul. Yes. Yes. 
You know, uh, Brahm's interesting. You know, you mentioned that Brahm is a father. I, you know, there's no indication that he knows this, though. Well, I think that's why he stayed in that town. Yeah, we never did find out exactly why he was there. Yeah, I think he 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 goes there. He doesn't stay there though, isn't he? Like in and out, he's traveling with like the uh, tinkers or whatever they're called. No, he lives he lives in the he lives in the town. Yeah, so he watches. Yeah, waiting for Aragorn to yeah. grow up. And... So I imagine he discovers that story later on on his own as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this this makes sense and. and and Brahm's fascinating because you really don't know who he is at the beginning. You find that story kind of unraveling as you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, he starts off just as a storyteller. Just yep. a simple, simple storyteller. Yep. yep. Yeah. He gives truth from a certain point of view. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, so who's our next character? We have Brahm, we have Aragon. Who else is on the docket here? Uh, well, how about... How about the dragon herself, Sephira? Sephira. I, I I think Sephira is the perfect companion. Yeah. For I mean, for him, he's she's overly protective. She she equally makes mistakes, uh, so she's flawed, but she's also very obviously the powerhouse of the whole situation. Well, here's the thing that I really like about the story, both of Aragon and Sephira. And it's like you said, they are flawed characters. These are not perfect characters. Our heroes aren't making all the right decisions. Right. Um, and, and so you get a hero that you can kind of identify with because Lord knows if I were kind of somehow tapped into the dragon power. Because in a lot of ways, there's there's a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, Saphira is almost like a steroid to him mm-hmm. in that it, it makes him stronger uh, more alert, his senses are more vibrant, connected to the dragon. Yeah, and obviously we find out from Brom there's you know eventually a lot of longevity of life beyond that too. So there's a huge impact this has. And I and Jim, you said you know, the way they with the way they work as one, they are kind of that unit because uh, a rider is nothing without the dragon, and a dragon in a sense is nothing without the rider. Right. Mm-hmm. I like the aspect that she is this powerhouse. And she has all this magical ability, but just like him, she doesn't understand how she uses it. Like when she, when she makes the clear casket, she doesn't. He's like, "How'd you do that?" She's like, "I just did it." I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know how I did it. I just, yeah. I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be an instinctual thing. Yeah. Well, and there seems to be some of some of that in both of them that somehow, the power there's something innate, mm-hmm. in that. Which I think lends to his parentage that we really don't know much about. Right. Some of this is well. If David, if David is right in his recollection, and Brom is the father, we do, I believe, find out in this book that Brom was a dragon rider. Yes. Yes, we do know that. Right. Because when he dies, he shows him his palm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, um, you know, it maybe it's in the blood. It may be. Maybe. Yeah. Well, although, that being said, it's not necessarily something that's hereditary because the dragons choose their riders. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, I mean, and so there's something that Sephira sensed in Aragon when Aragon, when, when she decided to hatch. But these dragon mm-hmm. eggs can be hidden for hundreds of years, apparently, before they actually hatch. So it may be just coincidence that both of, both of them, father and son, end up being riders but yeah i don't know so let's move on i'm just looking up to double check to see if he was the father yeah that's fine let's move on into the elf aria Mm -hmm. so that's aria right yeah he is he is the he is the father oh so he is the father and so and uh selena was the was aragon's mother yeah spoiler alert yeah (laughs) Yeah, it would have been totally bad if, as Brahms died, he would have said, Aragon, I am your father. <laughs> it is, until, it is I, until book three that that's revealed. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so. boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Does Aragon lose his hand? That's, really, <laughs> he that's a, revealed. He gets a robot hand at one point. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long as we don't see him floating like Bakta 
in a bhakti tank will be good. Well, at one point, I think Murtaugh has to cut his horse open and put Aragon in it. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big white one he's riding? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cage. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were going to talk about Arya. Oh, yeah, the elf check. Uh, the mysterious elf check, you know, there's kind of uh, like out of commission, you know, throughout most of the story. And actually, our first encounters are through this uh, vision, our uh, precognition that Aragon has. Yeah. Somehow is able to see into her dreams or herself. herself yeah. And then later on, after they rescue her, uh, are able to then communicate with her while she's in this deep sleep. And then finally actually meets her, you know, in the last third of the book. Yeah, she's extremely un- undeveloped in this book. Well, and mm-hmm. I, I can see that she comes into play later on. Because we haven't even been to the elf realm yet. Right. And he's supposed yeah. to go there to get trained. Right. And and I'll tell you what, most of this book, as I recall, it just seemed like forever and ever and ever. And it's like, what is the deal here? I mean... Why do we are we dragging this this uh, sleeping person with us all over the place and everything? <laughs> and it's like you know what's the point here? And I'll tell you what, for me, when she went into uh, into the arena and started kicking butt, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the way the elves are done in this. Uh, they're this is, they're this... very. This is the only yes. elf we. This is the only elf we meet. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, just in general. Yeah, she's very fierce. She's she's, you know, I think a lot of people go kind of dainty, even in Lord of the Rings. You know, they're super light, and they. Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with those elves either. Well, yeah. I mean, true. come on. Yeah, but the but these elves, are just, I don't know. She just seems like a powerhouse. Yeah. 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 yeah you don't mess with her. Right. Yeah. And she commands. Man, she puts. Other people in their place in the, uh, in the where where are they where is she wait where where is the last city they're at the one that had the uh, battle it starts with a V. Well, it's the Varden. It's Varden, yeah. So where the Varden? Yeah, but yeah. So I like I liked her. I liked her. Thumbs up. I thought she was a great character, even when they were dragging her sorry butt all over the land. And she comes <laughs> to Aragon's rescue at the end. Oh yeah, but destroying that sacred gem. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, anyone else important in this book? I mean, there are so many characters. I guess Murtaugh, right? We got yeah. You. Yeah. 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 He's he's so uh, hard or straight edge or whatever. I don't know what to call it. That it's almost annoying. It's almost like yeah, I get it. So he's like, like Han Solo. Like Han Solo's lovable. I know, but he's a, he's like, a, he's a, he's a he's a rogue. He's a scruffy something nerf herder. Yeah, it's a guy. You know, I get that. You know, you're tough, and I get like just stop making things so difficult. You know. Yeah, but but that being said, for me, there's a bit of empathy because hey, if I knew who my father was, and I knew telling Jim that my father was X X X X, you you better believe I would be really withdrawn and not revealing stuff. I would have a tough exterior. I'm with Murtaugh here. Right. Well, another thing, another thing about Murtaugh though, is that he did not overthink things. Oh, unlike Aragon, like that scene where the slavers are at and they like kill the head slaver. And he's like, I'm just going to do it. Like, you know what, you know, whatever. Right. And Aragon's like, Whoa, I want to do this. Right. This is like morally wrong. Even though what he's doing is absolutely an abomination. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, he he didn't he didn't mince words. He just went and well, this is what we need to do. So I did it. it. Yeah, I, I guess you kind of feel bad for him too because the whole thing is like, I'll help you, I'll help you, but I'm not going to the Varden. <laughs> right. And then the whole time Aragon's giving him basically promises he can't keep. Right. Don't worry, there'll be a way out. Like right at the last minute, you'll be fine. You can right. you can leave at the last minute, and all the while leaving him leading him into a narrower and narrower. Valley. I think I think Murtaugh knew though, mm-hmm. ah, and like he's not belligerent about it, and like people recognize him, and of course he gets in prison, but he gets a chance to redeem himself. So it's not like this is a totally bad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess once he is in the prison, he's kind of okay with it. He's like, it's like, look, I get to read. I get yeah, to read all day. I get to stay in this this like posh room, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. 
There is one other character I think bears at least mentioning, and that's Galbatorix. Uh, yeah, he is, never heard he of him. Is, he is conspicuous in his absence. All we really know is that he's so big and bad that he destroyed all the other riders. Uh-huh. Either and he, al- he also seems... Well, he also seven. seems to be quite the despot, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just look at the the people he keeps around. I, I just don't understand. They kind of paint a really good picture when, when Murtaugh talks about meeting him. And it's it's like people work for him, but you can't ever trust him. Like, right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, totally agreed. Um, he's not in here. You, you know, is in fact, the only person we really get a sense of that's kind of working for him is the Shade. Durza. Yeah, so Durza the Shade, right? And we only encounter him really twice. Right. And right? he's super powerful. He's, he's Yeah, he's like... Powerful to the max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he overshadows everything. He does. I really, I mean, if moving on, I guess from Galbatorix to to Durza, I I really like the um, the look into who he was at toward like towards the end. Oh yeah, where Aragons he gets into his, in head. his head. Yeah, and he's learning like about his life and how he had this horrible life and he learned to be a a sorcerer. Well, yeah, it almost creates an empathy for the shade. Yeah. Even though you're like happy when he dies, you're like also sad. And all yeah. Well, he wasn't. To- he wasn't like evil, but then he, oh, he. It's a good lesson on overextending yourself. Right. And he gets taken over by the forces he called and becomes right. And and I guess like you're kind of thinking, oh, he's got a. He's possessed by one person, but it's he has three different spirit. He had three different spirits in him. Controlling him, you know. Um, this brings in an interesting thing that I didn't think about till we're talking about it here. Is so we have Galbatorix, who's not really in the book except talked about, and then we have the Shade, you know, Durza, who we meet twice, and then other than that, they're being chased by orcs, right? Yeah, or whatever the the. Or, I think it's Uric, but Uric, yeah. but the so the Uric's right are chasing him, and they're really the bad guys, yeah. right? Because you don't get much more in the way of bad guys except for the Uruk that somehow keep track. Oh, the Razak. Oh, the Razak too that are kind of a part of that. But yeah. um, but they're all minions of the big boss. Mm-hmm. So, see, this is like New Hope because you never meet the Emperor in New Hope. That's true. There you go. See? Yeah. It's true. This is the story of Star Wars. <laughs> Jim, you're convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you but, know, I th- but I think Brom the- never lowers the force field. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. We we do got to talk about one of my favorite characters, though, and that's Solombom, the 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 werecat. Mm-hmm. I love this character. He's so interesting and fascinating, and so cat like. Mm-hmm. I like that he's a cat first, and then a little boy second. Right. You know, not the other way around. Yeah. And he also is a little bit like Brom, like, well, hey, do you want my help? You know? Like, yeah. Like, if you really want, like, he doesn't give him everything, just gives him enough. Or he'll dish something out, but it won't be clear <laughs> what or when that will be helpful. <laughs> right. Yeah. That character I did not trust. Oh, you I, did? Through the book, I was always waiting for some weird twist where Solombaum would turn on everybody or uh, turn on arrogant yeah you know and, and this is and, and probably Angela also probably also fits that a little bit she reminds me very much so you read Lord of the have you read you read Lord of the Rings right Jim oh uh, no I've watched the movies though okay so but so so you're not gonna get this reference but it in the book Lord of the Rings there's this creature called Tom Bombadil that mm-hmm. is kind of outside the the world but kind of exists and and helps in a way but doesn't really play into the entire story and this is the way i kind of view her and i realize they're different and it's not apples to apples here but she feels very much like tom bombadil to me mm-hmm. do you, do you huh. get that reference a little yeah bit? 
Yeah, I do. In this book, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I imagine she plays a little bit more of a role in the other books. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, to me, she was just a flower child. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Drugs and tea, baby. Hey, we were talking about bongs earlier. <laughs> Hopefully your students don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make sure they don't listen to this one. That's <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking there, Jim? <laughs> oh, Star Trek. He's drinking Star Trek. Yep. That's totally uh, appropriate. Yeah. I, I, the, the people that I don't trust, Jim, though, it's not the Werecat. It's the twins. From the get-go, uh, the way that Christopher paints these, we're on a first-name basis, him and I, by the okay, way. Yeah. Um, the way that they paint, the way he paints those twins, as you know, they are no good. Right. From the get-go, they are totally untrustworthy. Well, see, and that's that's the difference for me, anyway, is you knew the twins were bad from the start. They had their own little agenda, and they were going to try to carry it out at anybody's expense. Solenbaum, you never knew. You, you you just didn't know what was going on in in that mind. See, I mean, yeah, you know those two are evil, but I I trusted Solomon, but the but Agita and um, the Orc King, mm-hmm. I didn't trust either of those two. Yeah, and I think and even Agita. You mean the head the heads of the head of Varden? The, yeah, the head of the Varden and the head of the and the head of the the. <coughs> Not yeah, trolls. Yeah, well, so they're dwarves. kind of like, yeah, the dwarves. Yeah, you know, and, and you're right. You, you don't trust them, but that's a, that's a different sort of mistrust than the mistrust you have in the twins. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you understand that they that they don't trust the characters that we've grown to love. So you don't trust that they have their best interests at heart. Right. And I, that's a little I, bit different than the, uh, than the characters of the twins where you, you don't trust them, period. Or this the were cat and that you just aren't sure what his intentions are. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm yeah. trying to remember what the twins were actually trying to get from Aragon, though. Uh, oh, magic. magic! They were trying. They were trying to get the magic words, and so he was using all these yeah. simple terms. That's right. So, he, he could, That's so it was right. it was the magic words, and because Brahm, through his study, had actually taught him more than they knew. Yeah, yeah, and and they tried to trick him into doing something. That they didn't know how to do the, but the elf knew the full control over something. If you know it's, if you know it's elven name, you can make it do whatever you want, or make it seem like there's two of them. Or yeah, yeah, they were yeah. they. That's that's what they were trying to do when they were testing him. Right. I don't yeah. remember. I think that leads really nicely into I guess some some of the themes and stuff where we've got here in this book. yeah so let's go let's talk about some of the themes uh, and a big one is 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 magic and the idea that magic isn't a cure-all thing you only have magic costs you the same as if you would have done it yourself they cost you energy yeah, yeah. and and i think i forget it's like if you want it if you want magic to dig your hole you have to have enough energy to have dug the hole yourself Right. I mean, it'll just happen right away. That's the difference. Right. Uh, I love that. And that reminded me a lot of um, Full Metal Alchemist. I don't know if you've ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the whole idea of like, you can't get nothing from no- or something from nothing. You right. Have to equal exchange. Right. Um, I really like that aspect on magic in here. Yeah. Well, it takes it a little bit out of the fantasy realm and brings it a little bit more into the realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's magic. I understand that, right. but the idea that it's not just people waving their hand and battling like there's there's a it, it takes its toll. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Arya, like they make it sound. I mean, the whole time it's like Aragon does not have enough power to do this. Aragon does not have power to do this. And even Arya, when she breaks the she breaks the gem, and then she stops it from landing on everybody, and. And he's like, "Wow, well, I can't believe you did that." And Angela's like, "She almost didn't. Like, she was basically recuperating just like he was because she did that." So, right. it just, even an elf who you would think would be like crazy powerful even has right. like because pretty... we always because we always present him in fantasy as being this incredibly powerful race, right? Especially when it comes to magic, right? So, yeah, 
Uh, your thoughts on the magic in this book, Jim? Okay. Uh, I think I agree mostly with, with what you guys are, are saying here. Uh, pro- part of the problem that that I think I've always had with, with fantasy is the magic, okay? Um, and I know it's fantasy, but still, uh, magic just doesn't fit in with my way of thinking. And what helped me here is, as you guys said, that it costs something, okay? Now, as I recall... Um, when Wanda came on onto the Avengers movie, she's just throwing magic all over the place. And I mean, it, it's not, it's nothing's getting at her and she's not showing any signs of fatigue or anything like that. But, you know, you can actually call it kind of a scientific concept because you're expending energy to make this stuff happen. So I was a little more accepting of it than I thought I would be. And it was not overused in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the and I and I agree with you. I think it's the other thing about it. It's not like everyone just had magic. When it was used, it you know, again there was this cost to it and it wasn't used all the time. Right. Right. And yeah. you know, you had to pick and choose your times when <coughs> to use it. And uh Otherwise, there would have really been no point to the book because every situation that came up could have been solved. Right. Well, and, and that's one of the things that he think he toys with. You know, hey, I could do this with magic, but if anything else happens, I'm useless. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he discovers that early on, again, through those lessons that he's learning yeah. on his own. Well, when he uses it by accident. I think yeah. it's the first time he uses magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And he blows the Uryx up. Yeah. Uh, going along with the magic, there's the. It's not very strong in this book, but they they lay down the groundwork for truth and the ancient language. <coughs> yeah, you cannot lie. You cannot lie if you are speaking the ancient language. Yeah, and how you cast the magic through the ancient language, and that's part of the danger because if you say something beyond your limits. You're committing to the magic to it'll just suck you dry. There's right. no way. To, once it starts, there's no way to stop it because right. you've said it's going to happen, so it happens. Hmm. No. Although the elves have learned to skirt the truth. Yes. So they skirt. They don't lie, but they just to avoid. And and I guess I'll, I'll, uh, small spoiler here, but to, just to talk about, I mentioned the little girl. And how he, you know, he spoke over her with magic and gave her a blessing. And the problems with that is he spoke magic over her, thus imbuing her with the words that he said. I I forget what it translates to. It's something like, uh, may you, it it gets taken differently than what it says, but it's kind of like, may you steer clear of danger or whatever. So she becomes prescient. She can see when where danger's coming and he says may you or something like may you be intelligent or whatever so she's this she has like full grown intelligence as a child like and she's he basically cursed her to be right. this freak because mm. no one will trust her because she's this little kid with like that knows everything and has ma- yeah that knows everything and has <laughs> magic and she's got this glow and then and then with the extra magic that Sophia put on her forehead that glows like uh uh, however you say the thing on their hand the scale yeah and then um, she's even more of a freak but it's just like talking in that ancient language has so much weight to it hmm. and that brings in the uh, the power of words yeah in a lot of ways and like names the, yeah, yeah the power in words and the power in names yeah like if you know your true name that is there, there, there's a power behind that mm-hmm. but that's a that's a really interesting concept. And you know, I think I think about this as us as teachers, Jim. You know, when you're in a classroom and the first couple of days of school where you're learning kids' names and you, you call a kid, hey, hey, uh, you there in the uh, first row, second seat, because you're still learning the names. But once you know the kid's name, there's a different rapport 
yeah. that that is established instantly, and there's and, and, and there's that power that you see that he's playing with in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate though that we uh, learn the names of the ones that are going to be problems before the, <laughs> before we learn the names of the ones that are going to be exceptional students. <laughs> Yeah, we do that because there's a power in knowing their names. <laughs> as far as controlling, Jimmy, put the phone away. You know, when, you, know, yeah. you know, no, Jimmy, don't do that to Sarah with your tuba. No, no, no. <laughs> but don't don't hit Sarah with it. But, <laughs> uh, so we're into themes. Any other themes that you want to talk about? Uh, another big one is revenge. Um, and a lot of the characters are out for some type of revenge. You've got Aragon, who goes on this journey, but really, he's out. His big goal is to get the Razak. Yeah, he wants mm. to get the people that killed his dad, right? Yeah. I mean, who well, doesn't? His uncle, well, but, yeah. killed his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean... His uncle Owen was killed by him. Uncle Owen was killed. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's very much like, he, and at no point in the book is he ever powerful enough to take them on. Like that's an unresolved plot line. Oh, way to spoil it, David. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about this, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, he takes on Durza, who's totally a different thing, you know, different line, and he winds up meeting up with the Varden. But he had all these goals, like I want to get out and get the Razak. That's my goal. And then you've got Murtach, and his whole thing is like he hate he hated his dad, and he he doesn't he hates Galdratorix. That's he's anti-Galapatorics. And so, I, I, any other comments on Revenge or anything, Jim? Uh, it, it, was a, it was a theme all the way through. I mean, that was the motivation for Aragon to go on his journey. Yeah. So, right. you know. So, yeah, certainly it's, it's the thing that gets him out. There's nothing left for him at his house and he realized that if he stays he's going to put his stepbrother in jeopardy right mm -hmm. so i mean there's that and so it's good for him to go and so but he does so he leaves kind of to protect the village that he grew up in but also i think because he does want to get revenge as you're saying yeah yeah so <laughs> you have coming in coming of age here as a theme but i think that really parallels this whole hero's journey and him accepting the fact that he is a dragon rider, because this is something that he struggles to accept, mm -hmm. at least through a good portion of the book. Mm -hmm. well, let's just take a, I mean, I guess to piggyback off of that, how do you, what are your impressions of a, of their society and, and having once been ruled by, or not ruled, but having this over hanging dragon rider thing above everyone else, and now they don't have that anymore, but do you think they're going to want it back? I mean, they've got this dictator, but are they really going to want to get want to get rid of one dictator for uh, basically becoming subservient to another class of people? You know, in as far as the village that Aragon comes from, they seem to be quite a ways removed from the central government, so it doesn't actually affect them that much, and they've got they've got a quiet agrarian um culture going on where everybody seems to be pretty well happy and and they're subsisting and uh and they're cooperating right uh what was the guy's name that ran the the mill uh oh i can't remember yeah i can't remember his name the, but the i know guy, you're talking he about. stayed at his house that guy yeah. yeah i mean that is a person i would like to know right and his family. Uh, I mean, they just seem like really, really good people. Right. Right. And he's a guy that comes in and like saves him from the the, the butcher, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And buys the meat for him and stuff. You know, and, and I agree with you. I mean, and, and even Brahm says that this is that that your your village has been away from the eye of Galvatorix, but it won't be forever. Right. And he kind of lays down that warning. That he doesn't really, it hasn't been, but there's, stuff's been happening all around them. Like, their isolation is only, I mean, this is like Hobbiton, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, Hobbiton's left alone, but there's turmoil going on in the world around them. 
Well, they do lose their their anonymity because of the the egg. Yeah. You know, although I mean, no, although no one knows that the egg's there except for the very uh, right before they flee. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, I guess I guess what I was more hinting at was like um, when he gets to the Varden, there is this charge given to him of like you know everything you say is going to be taken more serious. Like you've got this perch above everyone else, and you're seen as this problem solver. You know what I mean? Everyone comes to you, even the kings come to you, and then you and then that's what the head of the Agita says to him. You know, like everyone's gonna want a piece of you, but then you go to the the dwarves, and the dwarves, especially Oric, give the sense of like we don't want the riders to come back and kind of oppress us again. Yeah, because they never had any riders come from them. Right. So there's like that that disconnect, and, and I, I like that. It reminds me. Do you remember? I don't. So you watched the Matrix movies, right? Huh? So when Neo's like walking around and there's people bringing him goods and wanting to touch him and mm-hmm. very much like this. And, I, you know, that's the sense I'm getting with Aragon that he's really, that for the general populace, he represents a hope. Right. Uh, even though the, the kings and people in power are very leery about what this is going to do to their right. little... Because they've gotten you know, used to governing themselves. Without the help. Yeah. 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 And he's not buying it yet either. Yeah, he's not necessarily saying, you know, this is not like he is the only one, you know, at this right. point that we know of. Right. So, I mean, there's two other dragon eggs, and, you know, I assume they play later on in the books, but. Yeah, but see, I get the feeling. Well, I shouldn't say I get the feeling. I don't even, I don't ever get the impression that the, he thinks he is something special other than because of what he has been given uh, by others. He doesn't right. he doesn't ever he doesn't ever carry himself as being above anyone else. Right. So <laughs> where he set personally sets himself as much as where the riders used to be and people just automatically placing him in the same position. Right. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. Well let's move into some of our favorite points okay. of plot. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Dave, why don't you start? Give me one of your favorite moments in this book. Um, geez. Favorite moment. Come back to me. Oh, okay. Jim, you're on. Okay. Uh, two, two for me. Okay. Go Uh, for it. I really, I really enjoyed, uh, Aragon raising the dragon. And trying to keep him hidden and out of sight and safe. <laughs> and then the roles got reversed. Uh, I thought that was really neat. And then the battle towards the end, that was epic. It was an epic battle. Oh, that was just awesome. So the, that's two of the things I really enjoyed. I'm going to go with the first time he uses magic and the kind of like description of how it it's like electricity that flows through him and then just bursts out of him. Uh, I really liked that whole kind of that battle scene. It was very stakes high because Safira was too far away and Braum was hurt. And then I think I think another one for me would be when he and when Aragon and Safira are are by the big giant lake that you can't see the other side to, and they fly and. It's still kind of early on of him riding her, and she dives down and takes him like underwater right. for a couple seconds, and then bursts out of the water. Just the description of it's like very imagistic, so yeah, very that, beautiful, beautiful imagery there. Yeah, I really like that part. Yeah. yeah, I like the rescue. I like I like the rescue of Arya. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like when they go in and they rescue when he's captured, right, and he like is avoiding drinking his juice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that ends up encountering the shade of Murtok and Safira come and rescue him. Uh, it's a really like that's a really epic escape. And they shoot they shoot Durza in the forehead, and it's just he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Ping. And they think, oh, we got him. Yeah, we did yeah. it. Not so much. Got to <laughs> shoot him in the heart. Yeah. Uh, 
But I thought that was very, very... Yeah, and she had Zafira burst through the roof. Yeah, it's, that, it's pretty epic. Like, that's, yeah. that's a scene that I would want to see done well in a movie. Yeah, which you won't, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I... I kind of want to watch the movie now, having read the book oh, again. Don't do it well, I, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying I kind of want to. I refuse to watch that movie. <laughs> Oh man! Any other any other favorite uh, moments or spots? I mean, I really enjoyed this this book, so it's kind of hard to. Yeah, I mean, there's points there's there's different about. moments along the way that yeah. I enjoy. Like the first time he sees through Safira's eyes. Oh yeah, that 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 that, that hit. No, when you say like that's one of the things, like, ooh, this is a new world. It kind of accentuates a connection. It's not a monumental event, but right. it's something that just sticks out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And them fighting right before they're rescued by the uh, trolls and the Varden. Oh, and they're they're, 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 kind of they're, at, they're, they're at the waterfall and they're at the wrong side of the lake and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you don't know if Arya is going to live. There's a lot of stuff at stake there. I think I like that battle too. That's so, good. Yeah. Well, so where are we at here? We had favorite quotes. Is that right? Do you have any quotes, yeah. Jim? I I did not. Uh, I did not distract any, so, or, or extract any, I should say. It looks like it's all any? yours, David. I, I, I have some quotes. I just didn't put okay. it. I was too lazy. I oh, okay. In, so. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I have two. Uh, one's just a small. It says, that's the spirit. One part brave, three parts fool. <laughs> I just like the description <laughs> of, the, of the spirit. Um Here's another little a little blurb. Aragorn went to see the dragon for the first time since it had spoken to him. He approached apprehensively, aware now that it was an equal. Aragorn, says, says Sephira. Is that all you're going to say, he snapped? Yes, she replied. His eyes widened at the unexpected reply, and he sat down roughly. Now it has a sense of humor. What next? <laughs> so those are your two quotes? Yeah, those are my <laughs> So one of the quotes I have is, people have an annoying habit of remembering things they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of good. Um, and this is another one I like. Um, and it's Aragon saying this one. Um, no, it's not, it's not Aragon. I don't know who says it. But it says, keep in mind that many people have died for their beliefs. It's actually quite common. The real courage is living and suffering for what you believe. Oh, yeah. I thought that that was a uh, good quote. The greatest enemy is one that has nothing to lose. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's... Uh, that's good. I think yeah. that's good. That's it's three quotes for me. So there's yeah. a lot of other quotes I like, but... Let's move on to our final thoughts of the book. Uh, what did you think of the book uh, overall? Are we rating it here? Yeah. Would you read more? Are you going to read more? And what would you read it? Let's start with Jim. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the book all the way through. As a matter of fact, I uh, I read it way faster than I thought I would, and that's probably why I don't have any quotes. I didn't want to stop. Um, <laughs> uh, it it really intrigued me. It it was interesting it was different it was something new and fresh for me um would i read further i i think eventually i probably will read the rest of the series um when i don't know because i've got so many books sitting on my kindle now that (laughs) i may may never get to it but um i i'm going to rate this book for me, a solid five. Nice. Oh, good. You know, and, I, and for me, I think out of all our ratings, that is maybe the most powerful rating we're going to get here on the show because you're coming from someone who, that is typically scoff fantasy. And for you to rate it a five out of five, that, that says huge. something. That, that's yeah. huge. And to say, you know, I don't know when I'm going to read these, but I may read these someday. It's enough of an interest, even though sci-fi probably is still your primary interest. The fact yeah. that fantasy has captured you this way is... I'm well, really impressed. Yeah, and and I I've got to thank David for choosing this, because uh, he chose a good one to start with. <laughs> um, and yeah, it you know it's opened up another 
um, another world for me, I guess you could say. Um, and I guess I'm not quite as afraid of it as I was before. Very good. That sounds good. Sounds good. So you, you, can, rating? Yeah. you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You can. It's true. <laughs> woof, it's woof. True. As long as, as long as they have a loot, you can teach them anything. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so for me, um, I'm going to rate this 4.75 dragon eggs. Okay. Because after all, you can have three quarters of a dragon egg. It's just not fully formed. <laughs> now, you know, I, and I, I think the only thing is because the first half of the book felt a bit ponderous to me, and that's the only reason I'm not going to give it the five. I really enjoyed this book. This book was awesome, and I am not saying I won't read the rest of the series. But I'm like Jim. I have a bunch of other books that are ahead of ahead of the queue in the Kindle, and right. are, not, are in the Audible, and that's uh, not one of them. So, right. But uh, so yeah. So four point seven five, a highly rated book, nonetheless. Right. I I I went back and forth on this one, and and I okay. I'm going to give it a five because I loved it, and and even on my second time around, I think I loved it more. I I could I first time took me longer to read it than the second time. And, and that's not because I was skimming or anything, but like I could not stop reading this book. Like it was just what I was spending all of my free time doing was, was, was reading for, for, I mean, it was fast. So, um, and that, that's, I mean, you know, I love Dune, but even so, like it, it would be like the week before night before I would still yeah, be, like 11 o'clock <laughs> at night, read to four in the morning. Hey, we're going to talk about Dune. Today. I would still be cramming the book, even though I loved it. Uh, but like, I just didn't have that, drive to like constantly read um just the one book um so i'm gonna give it a five i will say my biggest complaint is the ending um i mean he he knew he was making more he cliff tanged it really well but at the same time the cliffhanger is just so strong that it 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 irritates me because i want more there's no closure at all right it just it ends the battle's over he wakes up from being healed. He's not even fully healed. There's all these ramifications, and he's just like, "I guess we're doing this." Basically. Yeah, let's go to the elves. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. just that's that's. I mean, that is the end of the book. Will I read the other ones again? Yes, most definitely. Now that I've gotten this first one under the belt, and and maybe it, if the listeners request book two, we'll have to read. It. Yeah. If the listeners request it, or you know, comes one of my turns again, and there's no opposition, I may toss the next one out. We'll if, see. If you if you decided when it comes to your turn to do book two, I would not be opposed to it. Yeah, uh, it may, me, it, me either. Uh, it it may happen. We'll see how we are in in four months when it's my turn. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may find something that I want to get into then. So we'll see. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Where does well, it bring us? We all we all love it. So I guess that kind of brings us to the end of the show, but we've got to discuss what is our next book. I got it right here, Scott's David. Scott's Choice. I got it right here. And okay. it's, a, it's a book. I read some of this person's work. Okay. And this is a book I have not read. Is it I, part of a series? Not that I know of. Okay. Not part of a series. And I it came through a recommendation of something I was reading. Okay. And I said, this sounds kind of interesting. So this one is going to be a ecological science fiction story. Okay. That takes place in the future when the water table has risen oh. and people are still living on planet Earth. So a futuristic okay. sci-fi story. So the story that we're going to be doing is New York 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson. So have you read other stuff by Kim? I have. Uh, I read. Uh, I read Red Mars and I read uh, Green Mars, and I've been meaning to read Blue Mars, but I, I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, so obviously that says something. You enjoy Kim's writing enough to say, "Hey, I'm going to read these other books." I'll tell you what. Uh, Red Mars and and Green Mars, they are not easy to read. Yeah. So we'll find out. I have not read this book, and I don't think anyone here has read it. So I've never be even it. heard of it. So uh, this is—it's called New York Twenty One Forty, 
And uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's see see what it's like. Okay, we will so, talk about this. Will be a new book for all of us. Yeah, this will be uh, in one month. We'll uh, be back to talk about this book. Well, I mean, in the meantime, there's plenty of ways to keep in touch with us, and we'd like to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theorbitalsword. That's right. We've got our website, theorbitalsword.com. Yeah, and then there is theorbitalsword at gmail.com. You can always email us, and we have the Twitter, the Sword Twitter. Yep, and Goodreads. Jim, Yes. what's our Goodreads info? Oh, Wow, I'm unprepared. Well, I uh, think I think though that you can probably search Orbital to Sword in Goodreads and find and it. Find us. In yeah, the it, we have it set up already. So yeah, so it's good. It's ready to go. We yeah. should have our eventually have our polls. That's where you find our polls, and you can yeah. suggest books. Yeah. And, and if uh, if you're concerned about signing up for uh, Goodreads, just know that if you have a Facebook account, it's as easy as just using your Facebook account to log in. Yeah, and, absolutely. And boom, you're done. It's, boom, you're it's, done. It's I, like, I like the boom. Bring the boom on. So so we hope you've enjoyed your stay here on the Orbital Sword. Once yeah, again. absolutely. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood. And we'll see you next time on the Orbital Sword.